If you would, stand with me. We'll pay honor to the reading of God's word together tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is God's word. We thank him for it. We're asking him to write his eternal truths on our hearts tonight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for another time tonight to gather together to sing, to pray, to read, and then to hear your word. As we try to wrap our arms around evangelism's truth and the urgency that is necessary with evangelism and our call to see people come to know you, we're asking for your help. We need your help to allow us to have the right motivation for this work because left to our own devices, we will come up with every wrong reason to do evangelism. We also ask that you remind us that we are not taking our message that we came up with, but we're handling your message, your truth, and because of that, it comes with a different level of power. So please help us to be courageous and to encourage one another as we go. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Sometimes the wrong motivation can be as bad as having no motivation. Sometimes having the wrong motivation can be as bad as having no motivation. Because when you have the wrong motivation to do something, more often than not, you end up not doing what you're supposed to be motivated to do which is exactly the same result that you get if you have no motivation to accomplish anything. Let's just admit right up at the beginning tonight that evangelism is hard. It's even harder when there are wrong motivations for attempting evangelism. You might say, well, what are some wrong motivations for evangelism? I don't know about you, but growing up, I had and heard these given as motivations um, to do evangelism. One example would be, it's your job. You know, kind of like, uh, we look, look up the, the, the video now, uh, just being told to just do something, just do it, being yelled at over and over and again to, to just do it. And, and evangelism may not come naturally to you, may feel like, David, six weeks on this, I don't know that I can endure this. Uh, it's just I'm not very fond of it. I, 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 it's difficult. I, I struggle with it. I know it's my job, and that just makes it even worse because I don't like the job job that I have, and now you're giving me another job, and I, I, I don't want to do it. Uh, the, what I think of when we're told just do this because I said so, what ends up happening is the dangerous cloud of duty then hangs over your, our heads, and we avoid evangelism got this cloud of responsibility hanging over our heads, 
and we avoid it. We do anything kind of even the plain low hanging fruit becomes a problem for us because we're just going to avoid it. It's hard. It's difficult. And someone told me I had to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Some of you have that spirit just in general. Someone tells you to do something and you just avoid it at all costs. Another example might be this. Is I think this one is way worse. Um, again, another one just from my experience and want to just walk this example back. I've heard this said before. If you don't share the gospel, then that person who you should have shared the gospel with, their blood is on your hands. You're responsible for them going to hell. This is plainly heretical, but for some reason um, is widely used as a motivation to do evangelism. If you don't share the gospel, you're going to be responsible. Make no mistake, beloved, tonight you stand condemned before God. We'll just get, we won't even get out of the introduction before I confront you with an uncomfortable truth. That you stand before God condemned as a sinner. That there is nothing inherently in you or good in you apart from Christ's redeeming work over you and in you. And we don't like to talk about that. In fact, I was talking with someone today, talking about a pastor in their area um, where they are that um, likes to give really super encouraging talks and, um, you know, it's cutting edge stuff and it's really entertaining, but there's never any substance to it and there's never any gospel confrontation in it. If you go to sermons week after week after week and no one ever reminds you that if you are not in Christ, that apart from Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God in a real and literal hell. And that as a Christ follower, that if Christ had not died on the cross and if you had not placed your faith and trust in him, you would be in the same place. And there's nothing inherently inside of you that makes you better than someone else for having trusted in Christ. Then I would just evacuate the place immediately. One, just under fear that the Lord might, in a rare showing of Old Testament wrath, just light that place up. But then you have the flip side that says, if you don't share the gospel, the, their blood is on your hands. Brothers and sisters tonight, they already stand before God condemned. Your willingness or unwillingness to share the gospel does not make them more or less condemned. It's kind of like when you talk about a dead person, you cannot make a dead person more dead. It is a completed status. And Ephesians chapter 2 says that prior to our conversion to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So just if you've ever been told that you are somehow responsible for someone spending eternity in hell because of your unwillingness or you didn't take the chance to share the gospel with them. I want to come along as a gospel encourager and tell you that person is a liar and has poor theology. But that doesn't get you off the hook from doing evangelism. So I want what I'm hoping to do is to remove, because I know even right now, thinking in my own life, if I were sitting where you're sitting and my college pastor got up to say, for the next six weeks we're going to talk about evangelism, I think... For me, at some level, there would have been a, a paralyzing fear, a terror of, I can't talk to people. You don't know me. You don't understand who I am. And that might be what some of you are doing. I just want you to remember that the Apostle Paul, if you were here last week, you were in the My World, My Mission service, uh, I reminded you that the Apostle Paul served and shared the gospel in weakness, fear, and trembling. 
If Paul got scared about sharing the gospel, I think it's okay for you to be scared. Because none of you in here wrote 13 letters in the New Testament or were an apostle. If you think that you've done either of those things, I'd love to meet with you. We can discuss why you're wrong. So really what I'm trying to do in the next six weeks, and I was encouraged by a student. I received an email earlier this week from a student encouraging me as I was wise in asking for advice uh, about what we should teach and what we should do and the different things that we should make our way through that she reminded me that I indeed had been appointed as God's shepherd for college students. And so in some level, do what God tells you to do, not what college students tell you to do. It was a good reminder. But college students did mention that they needed help in thinking about evangelism. So we're going to try and accomplish two things tonight. I'm going to try and help you with what you said you needed help with, and two, follow God's leading. It's wonderful when they, they meet together like that. So I want to help us to be set free to share the gospel by constantly encouraging you week by week with other people's uh, good news of their conversion and how the gospel penetrated their heart and their life. You can be set free to share the gospel if you have the right motivations. And so tonight I want to hang our thinking from this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 um, around three thoughts. Number one, the motivation for evangelism must be or should be fueled by God. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. This is what the Apostle Paul says. We do not lose heart. Paul is expressly clear. He has a ministry to perform. You have a ministry to perform. I have a ministry to perform. Just like the Blues Brothers would sing, everybody needs somebody to love. Every Christian has a ministry to perform. He has a responsibility to make sure that this ministry is fulfilled. But I want you to hear this tonight. This ministry cannot come from himself or by himself. He can't just will this to be. Paul is not an, an American entrepreneur. He cannot merely pull himself up by his proverbial bootstraps and accomplish this. And I think this is why Paul quickly points out where the ministry comes from. Look at this text. Therefore, having this ministry, prepositions are, are important, by the mercy of God. Notice, though, that Paul does not merely point out that it comes from God. He also points how it came from God. It's by his mercy. It's not enough tonight that the Lord has called you to do evangelism and that you have this ministry to fulfill, but it's coming to you by his mercy, meaning he's covering it, meaning by God's mercy, we have been given this responsibility to work with others and carry the message of the gospel out. It's a communal thing, right? Notice that Paul's not writing to an individual person. He's writing to a gathered group of believers. So he's not saying, like, hey, Carl, you and you alone have this ministry. Or, hey, Greg, you and you alone have this ministry. But he's saying, we have this ministry, and it's been given to us by the mercy of God. It's also given to us by the mercy of God so that we can not lose heart when we remember that it is from God. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Or some of your translations may say, we are not discouraged. 
listen, if the ministry of evangelism or the ministry that God has called you to do in sharing the gospel had come from within you, it would be very easy to get discouraged, right? You get, we could moan and groan or be discouraged when it isn't working the way that we think it should be working or we thought it should be or quickly think of ourselves as failures if we weren't successful enough. And this can happen in any walk of life. It's not just unique. Can I, can I just be transparent with you tonight? Like, as your pastor, struggle with this. COVID happens. You know, like, what? Like, uh, within six weeks, we'll have celebrated one year of living our lives like this, which I'm not having a party. I can tell you that. I'm not. I'm so glad COVID has come. I, at some level, I am glad that COVID has come. Because it stripped away a lot of our idols. It's like the Lord was like, hey, um, we're going to pull your idols away from you this year. But I'm also going to send an election way by your way to eliminate more of your idols. So when you get to like September and you think, we eliminated the, the, the idol of sports. And <laughs> I've, uh, I've eliminated the, the idol of, of going to the, to the movies every possible opportunity to have. Or my insane love affair with trying to get a degree so that I can make an insane amount of money. Let's just turn up the heat on your idol worship. So I'm thankful for that. But if I'm being honest, this year has not been fun. It's been difficult. And it is very easy for me to begin to think that I'm a failure because the numbers are off. Or because we're not seeing many visitors. Or because uh, not seeing many people come to know the Lord. And then I have good gospel sent encouragers pointing me to remind myself that God has called me to this. God is not concerned with the number of college students. He is concerned with my faithfulness to them. And also that we've done a wonderful job in explaining somehow, some way along the way, that marriage is a gift from God and you should participate in it. So we're going to marry you out, and then we sent some to do ministry work. And that is a good and God-honoring thing. But if we forget that our ministry is not given to us by God, it becomes very easy to be discouraged. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul puts it here. Because if we are not careful, in the area of evangelism, two temptations can happen. Just real quickly, and we'll move on, but two temptations can happen if we forget who our ministry is originates in we can forget that ministry is entrusted to us by god we can begin to think that it's all on us to see people come to know christ we can feel the burden of people coming to place their faith and trust in christ and begin to press start adopting ungodly and unbiblical habits then the second temptation is we can get discouraged about evangelism and give up on this aspect of our ministry it's easier just to hang out with my small group or to hang out with my friends or come to church and talk to my friends because I don't have to deal with rejection with people who like me and appreciate me. But because God has given us this ministry, we can look to him when we are prone to be discouraged and trust that his promises, his way, his ministry is better than anything that we can come up with. And if you don't have people in your life who can speak those words of encouragement to you, it's going to be very easy to get discouraged over the next six weeks as you try maybe or maybe you signed up for My World, My Mission, and you try to do evangelism, and it doesn't seem to be working real well. So, number one, you have to see the, the right motivation for evangelism is, number one, fueled by God. And then, number two, the right motivation for evangelism is 
founded in the word. Look at verse number two. But we have dis- renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Then Paul says this. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In the case, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Then verse 5, this is so significant. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul understood better than most that there would be a temptation to do ministry away from the word. To rely on yourself, to be sneaky, to be underhanded, to manipulate people. However, he would not fall prey to this trap. Notice that what he says. We have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. Paul is not trying to trick people or manipulate people into the kingdom of God. Not only is he not trying, he downright refuses to attempt it. Because he's focused on the word doing the work. Someone popped into my office this morning. They know my love affair with politics. Said, are you going to watch the inauguration today? I said, no, I'm not. Personally, I had to take a break. Too toxic to the left and the right. Just need a break. And to be honest with you, I'm working on my own inaugural address tonight. I, I, I'm, I'm giving a speech about a kingdom that is already inaugurated. And one where the king sits on the throne calling people to repent. And every time I get ready to give the message and the hope of the gospel, I'm doing the same thing. And I'm, I'm thankful the Lord has provided us with a new president. I, I don't know what the next four years are going to look like, but I do know this, that God is on the throne. He's not surprised. And just like Donald Trump's hand sat in, or Donald Trump's heart sat in God's hand, so does Joe Biden. So that's why I'm thankful for a new president. And I would be thankful if the previous president were still in the position because his heart would be in the same place. You've got to have a bigger view of who God is as you think about doing evangelism because the word has to do the work. Sometimes we can get tricked into thinking crafty, come up with cunning ways. I don't know if you've ever seen a track that looks like money. I hate them. I'd like to light them on fire. Um, I think they're terrible, and they're from not good places. This track looks like, which I just don't understand how, a t- like even a t- even though I know they're not attempting to forge money, it really does look like money. There's a guy like breaking a crime in and of itself, breaking the law in and of itself. Breaking, I don't think you can break a crime, but breaking the law. It looks like money, but when you get close to it, you read the track and it's saying something like this. Here's the million-dollar question, which I just don't like as a gospel lead-in, but are you good enough to go to heaven? But the premise of the track, and I've seen this happen, well-meaning, or I shouldn't say well-meaning, well-intentioned brothers and sisters leave this as a tip. Like slide it in, pay their tab, leave that as the tip. Your waiter and waitress needs money to survive, and they need the message of the gospel. But this isn't deceitful and cunning and kind of trickery. 
can find all kinds of tracks like these that are intentionally designed to grab the eye. And I think the Apostle Paul would be like, no, no. I think Paul and I would be like, no, we're going to go round those up, shut that website down. Click I, I found a website where you can buy them in bulk. If you, and I just want to tell you, if you're the person who thinks this would be a really funny prank to, um, like, buy them and put them in my office, I just want you to know, like, you can just hand me your money and I'll burn that in front of you rather than burning the tracks when they find in my office. I will take delight in burning those because Paul makes no bones about this. He wants to share the truth of God's word with people and bring it to bear on their lives. And he doesn't want to do it through the back door. He doesn't want to just slide it in. He doesn't want to tack it, in the, tack it on the end. Paul wants the truth of the word to rest on people's consciences. So the Spirit can do the convicting work. I ain't got an amen out of the babies. When the mouths of babes, they get it. He knows, Paul knows this, that when people are confronted with the Scriptures telling them about who God is, who they are, what Christ has done, and calls them to respond to that message, that even if they don't respond right in that moment, the Spirit can be working on their conscience through the Word, because the Word is doing the work. You try and be so sneaky, you go into places, and they're like, we just want you to be comfortable and happy and enjoy the time. So have a donut, grab a cup of coffee, come in, and we'll you sing some really cool songs, and then the, the preacher's going to give a really cool talk. And then right at the end, he's like, oh, by the way, you're guilty, rotten, lost, and on your way to hell. But don't forget to enjoy your coffee. We cannot sneak the gospel in the back door. This is why we want to be make sure we are motivated by the word when we share the gospel. Because the word's alive. It is active. Hebrews 4 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Everybody likes to read uh, Hebrews 4.12, right? Because the word of God is living and active and powerful, sharpening than any two-edged sword. You're like, get your sword out. You know, go to battle. I like verse 13 a little bit better. No creature is hidden from his sight. Everybody's naked and exposed by it. You think you can try and hide? The word exposes you. It's what it does. Paul is naive to, is not naive to think that there won't be people, though, that won't trust his message. This is why he goes on and you read verse 3 and 4, and Paul says that it is possible that there will be people who hear the word and reject the word. Paul wants to remind the Corinthians, though, and us by extension, that they reject the message because look at verse number four. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And who is Christ? He is the image of God. Colin Cruz is so helpful here. He says the problem is to be located not in Paul's proclamation, but in the minds of those who reject it. Minds which have been blinded to this world. 
We get discouraged. We share the gospel with this brother or this sister. We sit across from him, have a cup of coffee, or you went to, to back home for the holidays, and you're trying to share the gospel with a, a brother or a sister or, or a relative who hasn't trusted in Christ, and they just continually reject it, and you begin to take this temptation that you must abandon it. Maybe there's another way to see them converted. And Paul's saying, no, you must remind yourself to continue to send the message of the gospel because the minds have been blinded by the God of this world. The result of the fall should not be a detractor from our evangelistic efforts. Yes, humanity has fallen at birth. I remind people often because they love to tell us how cute Harper is, especially here. She's beautiful. She's cute. And it's easy to take credit because we had nothing to do with it. But she's developed two words in the last six months that we did not teach her. No and mine. We never had a lecture. She didn't come into the, to her room and there, because you could see me doing this, have a whiteboard and get today's lesson is on the word no. It just sprung forth. <laughs> we didn't have it sitting on a table the other day. We're getting ready to go somewhere. And she snatches her blanket and is like, mine. And I'm like, no, I bought that. You contribute nothing. And then, because I'm a good pastor, shepherd, father, said, and just remember that when, hopefully one day, you trust in Christ, that you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. And she's looking at me like, mine. I'm like, okay, play on. The fall cannot be a detractor. Yes, humanity has fallen from birth. Yes, Satan, our adversary, is fighting us at every turn. What is required is that when we wake up in the morning, we go to war. That's why you have to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to put on the armor and go to war. We go hopeful, though, because we know that we go in the power and the work of God. Paul concludes this particular section, verses 2 through 5, by pointing us once again to the message that we proclaim. It's not our message. We didn't come up with it. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. If I were going to get a tattoo... This has changed over the years. If I were going to get a tattoo, not because I think they're sinful or wrong or bad, I'm just allergic to pain. Those of you who've been with me for some time know this. I don't think it's wrong to get a tattoo. But if I were going to get a tattoo, I think I would want it to say, deliver the mail. People would be like, that's weird. You're not a postman. Why do you have a, a, a tattoo on your arm that says deliver the mail? Because I've been called to deliver the message of the gospel, not to change it, not to alter it, not to come up with another way of, people get frustrated with me, like, I can't believe you would say something like that. I didn't say it. I didn't come up with this. This is not my strategy. It's God's message, and it's a message that needs to be brought to bear on the lives of the people around us. Okay, so it's got to be fueled by God, must be found in the, founded in and on the word, and then the, the third motivation for it, evangelism is that it comes from personal change verse six for god who said let the light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ 
the last section of this passage, shines a light on why Paul was motivated to do this ministry. He had been personally charged by the message of the gospel, personally changed by the message of the gospel, and wanted to share it with those around him. He's been changed. Our Kent Hughes says it this way. There is no one beyond the creative and recreative power of God. God, who spoke the worlds into existence and with a word, birthed light and plants and birds and sea creatures and animals and us, this God can illumine us and transform us from glory to glory with a word. No one is beyond his love, no one is beyond his grace, and no one is beyond his creational power and his recreational power. We sing a song, I was transformed from death to life. Should be a big moment. Do you think it was a big moment when Lazarus showed up for his weekly card game the week after he died? The brothers are sitting around going, you know, we used to play a four-man spades game, but you know, Lazarus died. We're going to have to find a, a new fourth. And here he comes in on Tuesday, and he's like, what's up, my bros? When dead people become alive, that becomes a big deal. If we walked to Greenlawn North, or we drove to Greenlawn North, we wouldn't want to walk anywhere, but if we drove there, and under the power and the presence of God, I looked at a tomb and said the person's name and said, come forth, and things started to shake, and somebody, you don't think that's going to be, bump the inauguration, homeboy just called somebody from dead to life. Grandma was dead, now we got to get her a new dress. She's going back to work. This happened to us in our conversion. We moved from death to life. That had so transformed Paul, it changed everything about him and his motivation to share Christ. And here sits a room of people, self-proclaiming and self-identifying from moving from death to life, yet on the day-to-day -day life experience speaks very little of that life-transforming event. Paul says, this God who said, let light shine out of darkness. The same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, looked into our dead, cold hearts and said, let there be light, and there was light. If you've been personally changed by the gospel, it's going to motivate the way you think about talking to the people around you. So three quick takeaways tonight. I want to move back to front. So, we creep down through the text. Now I want to apply it from the back to the top. The right motivation tonight to share the gospel comes from personal life change. If the gospel hasn't changed your life, you won't share. Just true facts tonight. If the gospel hasn't tr truly changed your life, you won't share. We share, application two, we share in the power of the word, because that's where the power is. The power is in the word. Make sure you connect to the power. Share your testimony of what Christ has done for you, but it needs to be connected to the word. 
You always got to get to the actual message of the gospel. So we actually have to be transformed, connected to the right place, and then final application or takeaway. Remember that God has called you to this task over the next six weeks, tonight and the next five. The God who has called you to do evangelism will equip you as you go, and when you are discouraged, you can look to him. So I investigate internally, look to the word, and then go looking up to the one who has transformed you. These have to be the motivations, not wrong ones, but the motivations that are rightly connected. I'll share this illustration as I close. I don't often spend a lot of time walking through these hallways on Wednesday nights because we're doing things and getting ready to go. But tonight I had time and I did and I walked through them and I was reminded once again of why the Lord has called me to you all and not to them. And I'm thankful for that. One thing I did notice as I walked through those areas is I watched as awkward people who are interested in each other romantically are making efforts awkwardly to get around one another. Very awkwardly. Can I just put the emphasis on awkward? Even I, who uh, uh, by my own self-testimony am not given to paying much attention to uh, who's together and who's not together to the point that one brother in here made it a point to tell me that he had broken up with his, his girlfriend, not so that I could pray for him, but that I wouldn't make an awkward comment because he knew I didn't pay attention. I was so thankful for that, by the way. <laughs> I just really was. But you notice as two people down there, which never happens in here, begin to notice one another and their motivation to be around each other, they can find all the strangest reasons to be all in the same places all at the same time. Things that they've never liked before suddenly have newfound interest. Why? Because the motivation behind why they want to be around that person has changed. I wonder if we really can say that we love people who don't know Christ if we're never around them or have any desire to be around them. Not because we want to be romantically involved with them, but because we have a genuine desire that people who are far away from God would come and have a real relationship with them. Let's pray together.